Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. So I want to be preaching about discipleship and how to be a disciple. I really hope you can connect with this because it's something we're missing. Okay. Um, so first of all, uh, you know, you have to ask the question, what, what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, we're supposed to all be disciples, right? What does it mean? Discipline, Discipline ourselves. That's a great definition right there, right? To be a disciple means you got to discipline yourself. Nobody can be a disciple without disciplining themselves, right? In that discipline, what are you disciplining yourself to do if you're a disciple of Christ? There are three things, really. You have to learn from Him. You cannot be a disciple if you are not learning. If you're not learning from Christ, you are not a disciple. The very definition of being a disciple means you've got to learn something about the one you're being discipled by, right? You have to learn something if you're going to be a disciple. Secondly, you have to stay close to Him. You have to be close enough so that you can hear what He's saying, right? You've got to sense what He's saying. You've got to receive instruction from Him. There has to be some direction going on there. No one who is a disciple goes his own way. He's learning from somebody else. So if you want to be a disciple, you're going to have to learn and you've got to stay close enough to the one you're learning from. If you're not close to Jesus, you cannot be a disciple. You are not a disciple if you're not learning. You are not a disciple if you're not close to Jesus because He can't disciple you. And lastly... The third thing you have to be to be a disciple is you have to do what Jesus says. You've got to learn. You've got to be close. And then you've got to do exactly what He says. You cannot be a disciple. You cannot say you're a disciple. You might be a preacher. You might be a, someone who sings in the choir. But if you are not doing what the Word of God says and what Jesus leads you to do in your close relationship, you are not a disciple. Amen? All those three things have to be there. You have to learn. You got to be close to Him. And you got to do what He says. Amen? Now, take that in mind of understanding what a disciple is and apply that in your understanding to this verse where it says in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. This is powerful. This is powerful. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's really powerful. Who has the rightful authority in the earth? Jesus. That's pretty powerful. That's the whole message in itself. 
And I'd like to explain a little bit of it that I'm not going to today. But it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. I want you to go and bring people under that. I'm also weaponizing and giving you authority to do something under my authority. It's going to transform the world. It's going to transform what's going on. Everybody in motion. Something happened when I rose from the grave. And now I'm giving you permission to bring it throughout the whole earth. In fact, I'm not just giving you permission. I'm telling you, this is what my plan is. To invade the earth. Go and make disciples. Wow. Make disciples. What's he telling people to make? What's he telling us to do? Is he telling us to fill up churches? That's not what he said. Is that wrong? No, that's good. But is that what he said to do? No. When we think the end result is to fill up churches, we make a big mistake. That was never the end result. That was never the means to anything. People look at a big church and go, oh, they must have really done what God wanted them to do. No, you don't know what God say to do. Make disciples. Think about what He said to make. Think about what He's building in the earth. Make people who learn continually about God, about Jesus, about His Word, who stay close to Him and who do what He says. He says, I want you to go throughout the earth and I want you to make people who will follow Me, who will learn everything about Me and continually learn. I want them to stay close to Me and I want them to do everything I tell them to do. Well, what about those Christians that are hard-headed and they're going to do their own thing? Well, that's going to happen, but that's not what God told us to produce. That's not what God told us to make, and that's not God's intention for anybody. Amen? Are y'all with me? Man, I want to just say, this is a powerful assignment that God's given us. If we will do the assignment God has given us and focus on that which looks like such a small thing. Oh, building a big church is an exciting thing. Making disciples is a difficult thing, so to speak. And it's often a small thing. I'm not saying the big things aren't important. I'm just saying there needs to be an emphasis on some other things too that are more fundamental. Amen? Are y'all with me? You don't look like you're sleeping, but you're very quiet. Okay, so, so it says, make disciples, baptizing them. This is so important. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. That word is so funny. And we take it the wrong way. We mean observe. What, is it, what does it mean to look at? 
What's that paper in the North Carolina called? News and Observer. What is that from? Fable? I don't remember. This is the News and Observer in North Carolina, right? The Observer. <laughs> what does it mean to be an observer? It means to look at something. If I'm watching something out in my backyard, if I'm watching my neighbors fight, right? I'm an observer, right? But that's not what it means in the Bible. When it says observe, it means to do it. If you observe a, a commandment, that means you're doing it. In the, in the United States, we don't pe teach people to do it. We just teach people to look at it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's like we, we use the wrong understanding of the word observe. He means teach them to do it. Everything I told you, this is the mandate. I want you to understand this. Going to church and getting encouraged is good. Learning how to, you know, have a good attitude is good. But the core and the root of your success is whether you're going to learn what he said to do. Are you going to stay close to him? And are you going to do it? That's what's going to make you a success. And that's going to make you able to rise above every trial that will come your way. Amen? It's powerful. There's so much faith that comes out of that kind of relationship. Now, I want to talk about this process a little bit, right? And because we have missed out on so much of this process, all right? And then, and then where we're going to go to is how to get you connected with that here. And we're going to get you on this amazing app that we've been blessed to have, that our app team, app team, the app team. That's a funny name, isn't it? Um, our app team's been working on. All right. But anyway, let's go through, through this process of discipleship. All right, get your phones out, get your pencils out, get your whatever out. Can y'all write in your phones? Um, I need to write. I like to write. You know, so funny, I feel like things stick in my brain when I write them down. Sometimes I write them down and I never go and read it again. But when I, I think somehow when I wrote it, it just sticks in my brain. I don't know if that's true or not. Okay. All right. So, okay. What's the process of discipleship? Let's just go through that this morning. All right. All right. So first of all, somebody has to believe in Jesus. They got to put their faith in the Lord, right? Uh, they have to believe in Jesus Christ as the son of God. Now, this is an amazing story. God sent his son through a virgin. There's some other crazy things in the Bible too. It's funny. There are many crazy things in the Bible. Uh, some people just want to believe this one crazy thing. You understand what I'm saying? This sounds crazy, doesn't it? God impregnated a woman with his word for a purpose. I remember what, I, the greatest memory I have of this is when I was telling a friend. I was actually sharing with someone this yesterday. A Chinese man. I was telling him the gospel. And he's a very intelligent man. He has patents and whatever. He taught in China in a school that's like Harvard here in America. And, um, and uh, I'm sharing this and I'm going, man, you really have to have faith to believe this. And when I share the end of the story, he looks at me and he goes, I believe. 
I want to get baptized. And I'm going, that's God. That's faith. Amen? And so what did God do? He sent His Son, who is the Word of God, come to the earth. And what did the Son do? Why did He come? What's the great world in the world would God do that? You think God goes, hey, son, you want to have an adventure? I'm going to send you down there. Now, they're going to kill you and beat you up and put you on a cross, but he's going to be an adventure. No, he would have never wanted to have come down here. He came with a purpose. He came to die. He came to show us what God was like, and he came to die. Why? Because you have to have that death for you to live. It's a crazy thing. Again, I was talking about that with someone this morning. Think about this story. From God's viewpoint, you're not going to be able to come to heaven because you have sin. That wouldn't be right. You have to pay for sin. And Jesus is the only payment that's worthy to pay the price for your sin. Beyond that, Jesus rose from the dead. That's an amazing thing. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, immortal, glorious, never to die again. And the Bible says now He is the rightful Lord. Jesus Christ is the rightful Lord of what? Of all. He's the one with whom we have to do. We're going to all stand before the Lord Jesus one day and give an account for how we've lived. If you put your faith in Him and repented, you'll be cleansed for your sins, but you'll still have to give an account for how you've lived your life. A lot of Christians don't even know that. And it's as clear as day in the Bible. So believers, are you saved? Well, don't just think you don't have any accountability for how you're living your life. Live it for the Lord. You have to give an account one day for how you've lived. Amen? Then the next thing we see. So first of all, you've got to believe put your faith in the Lord Jesus. Then secondly, what do you have to do? You have to repent of your sins. Now let me just say, a lot of churches today still preach you have to believe in Jesus. They still preach faith in Jesus faithfully. There's a lot of churches that aren't doing that anymore though. I won't even call them Christian churches anymore. If they don't preach, you've got to put your faith in Jesus to be saved. That's the core of the Gospel. Amen? And then the second thing, fewer churches are preaching today, but it is so key and it's got to be preached. And that is, you need to turn from your sins. So many people today will say, oh, I put my faith in Jesus, but they're still living in sin. They still live in sexual sin, still living immorally. And they're like, yeah, but I love the Lord. Yeah, but I have faith in Jesus. Yeah, but you haven't been reconciled with God. Am I making sense? Reconciled. The Bible says be reconciled with God. So, I've shared this before, but if, let's say, you've been in adultery, maybe you're single, just pretend for a moment you're married, and you've been in adultery. Oh, no, let's say that your spouse has been in adultery. That's better, right? All right? And he or she has been living crazy, all right? And he or she comes one day and says, Man, I am so sorry. I love you so much. Man, you're the best. I just want to come home. Well, if you're taking that with God the Father, you just say, you're open with welcome arms, right? Oh, 
I love you so much, I accept you. But what if that man or woman then goes and says, but I've really enjoyed sleeping around. I'm going to continue sleeping around and going everywhere I can because I love that. But I love you too, and I just wanted you to know I'm coming home. That's what many people do to God. Lord, I believe in you. You're so good, I love you. But I got a bunch of wild oats to sow. God's like, that's not reconciliation. Be reconciled to God. And Jesus said to His disciples, preach repentance for remission of sins to all the nations. Luke 24 or something. Maybe 47. Preach remission of sin, uh, repentance and remission of sin. And He told another group, unless you repent, you're going to perish. Wow. So, the first block of discipleship, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second block which we are losing in this culture is repent from your sins. How many people still go to church living their old way? They're like, oh, love me for I am. Oh, we love everybody, but it's not loving to not tell you the truth. <laughs> Amen? Man, I love sinners coming to church. I love you coming here from whatever background you've been in, however you've been living. But I want to tell you the truth because only the truth is going to help you. How'd you like to go to the hospital and see a doctor? And the doctor goes, oh, he's got cancer real bad. Might kill him. It needs to be operated on. But if I tell him, it's going to make him feel so bad. I just don't know. I just don't think I'm going to tell him. It's going to make him feel terrible. And so you go, you're just thinking, I ought to tell him. But no, it's going to make him feel bad. And you say, you know what? You are doing great. And I just love you so much. And then the nurse will say, Doctor, why didn't you tell him what you could have told him to help him out? You say, well, because it'll make him feel bad. And I want him to know I love him. And it doesn't feel very loving. It feels harsh if I tell him those other things. And she'll say, but look, the doctor, if you really love him, you'll tell him even though it's going to make him feel bad because then he can deal with the problem. Y'all understand what I'm saying? See, people are pointing to Christians and say, oh, that's hate. That's a... No, no, no. Now, you Christians can say, some Christians can preach the gospel and you think that they want the people they're, going, they're preaching to to go to hell. You're going to go to hell! Well, uh, you ought not to want the people you're preaching to to go to hell. You ought, to, you ought to love them and hope they turn around. Amen? Because God loves everybody. And He reached out to you in your stupidity, didn't He? Didn't He reach out to you when you were in a mess in your sin, doing crazy things, going in the wrong direction? Don't ever forget that. Amen? The third thing is, that person must be baptized. People think, oh, we don't have to get baptized. It's a part of the Great Commission. Be baptized. Amen? Baptism is so powerful. And what we identify with when we get baptized is powerful. I want to read this. This sounds like something, one of those scriptures 
we read that we don't even grasp. I want you to think about what these words are saying. Okay? As many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Think about that. Have you been baptized? Which is being baptized also in Jesus Christ? You've been baptized into His death. What does that mean? Therefore, we are buried with Him. What? We are buried with Him. How? By baptism, boop, into death. What you're doing when you get baptized in water is connecting with and identifying with and making real with something that has happened in your life with God. It is not just an illustration. He is saying here, something has happened supernatural and you have died. Okay, is that not crazy? It's one of the most elemental teachings in the Bible. Okay, we are buried with Him by baptism into His death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead, boop, <laughs> by the glory of the Father, so we too should walk in the newness of life. Are y'all seeing a picture here of what happens and what you are identifying with and experiencing that is shown in baptism? Are y'all with me? And he keeps on. He goes on further. For we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death. If that happens, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Man, I just want to say, what's died? What's died in you? The Bible says we are all in Adam. Adam is the old man. The Bible talks about Adam as like the first man, the old man, right? We're all in Adam. But when you die, the old man that was in Adam has died. Boop! And what's happened when, when you're baptized in Christ? You come up... You, and by the way, this is so amazing. You are baptized in Christ into His death. And the Bible also says, get this, it says you are crucified with Him. That is just phenomenal. Y'all see what I'm saying? Is that not like, wow. Listen to this. Knowing this, our old man, your old man, was crucified with him. That's Romans 6, 6. It's easy to remember that verse because 6 is the number of man, isn't it? Romans 6, 6, the old man was crucified with Him. Wow. 
Why? So that the body of sin might be done away with. Man, I want to just say, you need to get a revelation of this in your heart, a revelation of it in your mind, and you need to walk this out. Baptism is important, and you understanding what happened with you in being baptized into Christ, into His death, and being raised up in the new needs to be so much a part of who you are. You need to have that as your identity. Right? You don't need to be going, oh, I'm dead, old man. No, you need to learn to say, oh, whoa, 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 that old man's dead. And another verse in Colossians 2.12, Paul says this, buried with him in baptism, you were raised with him in faith. Man, that's just powerful. Amen? Y'all with me? Why are y'all so quiet? Now, does this mean no more temptations? No. No. But it means the old man's dead. The old Adam. The Adam man. God's put a death to that. And you know what else it means? It means the new man's alive. You're a new creation. And how'd that happen? It's in Christ. You need to understand that by faith. And you need to claim that by faith. And you need to live in the reality of that. How are you going to do that? By faith in what God has done. You need to hold on to what God has done with you through that crucifixion where you were crucified with Him. You were buried with Him. And you came up new with Him too. Amen? Paul was embracing this revelation when he says this, I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. People go, oh, Paul was just going, he attained to that. Man, I wish I could just attain to that. No, Paul was not talking to something he attained to. He's talking about something he had a revelation of. This is for every single one of us. We ought to all be able to say this because we understand this has happened in the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection. I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ living in me. I'm a new man. That old man's gone. And when the devil reminds you of things, when the devil says, this is who you are, this is what you did, this is your life, you need to remember, oh no, oh no, no, no. That man's dead. That man's gone. I'm a new man. I'm a new creature. Sometimes when that old nature wants to come upon me, sometimes I just think I need to wrestle with that. Sometimes I, there's some things I need to wrestle with sometimes. Yes. But sometimes I just need to meditate on this. I just start meditating on it. I died with Christ. Oh, my old man I'm not even that man anymore. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. And I was raised with Christ. I'm a new man. I don't even understand it all, but I'm a new man in Him. I'm not the person I was. And as I begin to walk that out, it's amazing how that changes my life. Just the revelation and me claiming what the Word of God so clearly tells us all. How can people say baptism is not important? Be baptized. 
and connect with everything that baptism is telling you that you're experiencing. Amen? It's really, really powerful. Now, and I would just say, man, you just speak that out. Meditate on that. You ought to go home, every one of you, and just think on those verses. You read Romans 6, like from 4 to 6 or 7. Romans 6, 4 through 7. Read, read Colossians 2, I think 12. Read, uh, also, I didn't write this down. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Where is that? Galatians. I, I think it's Galatians 2. Anyway. Okay, so, so then we get to the next part. And this is really where I was wanting to get to today. Think about this. And I just want to say, I just sense God here so much today. Do y'all just sense the presence of the Lord here? God's presence is just so here. I just love that. That means he's doing something. Man, it's so, so good. Jesus didn't leave us and say, y'all go, y'all go do it now. He says, I'll be there with you. You know, Jesus walks among us by the Holy Spirit. He's here and he's here in a very real way by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so then what does he say? He says, teach them to do everything I told you to do. Okay, so, so far we've been seeing different, a different uh, a progression of discipleship, right? Well, first of all, you got you to believe, right? Then you go to the next step, you got to repent. Then you, go, then you need to be baptized and you need to have, you, you need to get that in your heart. Uh, my old life's over, uh-uh, I can't live that way anymore. That, that's gone. The old man's gone. Those old desires, they might still be in my flesh. I'm going to crucify them now because I'm a new man. I can't let these things live in me anymore. That's not even me. They got no right in me because I'm a new man. Amen? Now, the, the Bible talks about crucifying the things in your members, right? But that's not you anymore. Not unless you unite with it and start walking in it. Anyway, so we were seeing how we're doing this less and less. And this part right here, where he says this, teaching them to observe everything I commanded you. We hardly do this at all in the church anymore. And this is what has to be restored. This is what we're going to do with good. Hold on. And we're going to go I can't wait until all of this culminates. Okay? Let's talk about this just a moment. Uh, why does he say teach them to observe? Okay, first of all, I'm going to hit the front part of this. What did we what did we say discipleship is? You got to learn what he says. You can't be a disciple if you don't learn, right? People have to learn what he says. Okay, so um, you, and I'll just I want to explain this. You can't be free until you learn what. The Bible says what Jesus says, right? Okay. Peter preached this. Be saved from this. Who knows what it says? That first message. What did Peter say? Be saved from this perverse generation. What was in his mind when he said that? He was seeing a twisted it's been a word, deception, darkness, because a lot of and dark light, because evil did and dead evil, it's confusing. It's all twisted. 
the word perverse means twisted. Twisted. You see? And what he's saying here is, be, yeah, be saved, be delivered. That word could also be delivered from the forces of this generation, of the generation you live in. The lies, the manipulation, everything that's coming at you through the world to influence you and your thoughts. Be saved from that. What he's really saying here in part is to be saved from the way you've been programmed and the way everything is programmed all around you. If you flow with the theme that's in the media, the theme that's in the news, the theme that's wherever in the world, you are going in the wrong direction and you're having a twisted reality that you are embracing in your mind as truth. And Peter says, be saved. Be delivered from that. Right? Now, Galatians 2, 8. Paul says this. See to it. Nobody takes you captive. Nobody enslaves you. Now, this isn't talking about an overt slavery. This is talking about you're being a slave and you don't even know you're a slave. Right? He's saying, see to it. He's like, pay attention. Do you not realize you're just a slave of this culture? Do you not realize that that's what he's, he's getting at? Right? See to it that no one takes you captive, but you are not a slave to this world's philosophies and empty deception according to men's tradition, according to the principles of the world rather than to Christ. So what enslaves people here? Philosophies, ideas, um, you know, uh, and I would just say, can y'all not see how the, the ideas of this world have gotten crazier and crazier and crazier? They want to transition little children now from a boy to a girl. I want you just to think about that. You understand what I mean? Right? That's just, that's just, this is the craziness of this. And it's only grown out of so many other things. I could list other things that are crazy, but I don't even know if we'd even agree that they're all crazy because we've been in a crazy world so long and our minds are not renewed to what the Word of God says. Now, let me just say, how are you going to decide what truth is? Uh, this world's confusing. Oh, uh, uh, is that, what do you think about that? Well, I guess it's like this. It's just, how are you going to know? Are you going to come up with the truth in yourself? Are you so smart? I want to go to the Word of God. And what does the Bible say I have to do? I have to renew my mind. That means there are truths in here that are absolute, that are going to give me light. And that's going to help me see. It says the world in Isaiah 5, it says they call darkness light. They go, oh, look, this is insight. Oh, look, this is the revelation. Oh, this is progress. 
This is progress. This is the, can you not see this? And it's darkness. And the light, it says they'll call darkness. They'll go, oh, those Bible believers, oh, they're so backwards. Oh, they're, they're full of hate. They, they do this, they do. That's just the way the world is. But you see, when you come to the Lord, He goes through this process. He says, teach them what I said. Teach them what I said. You've got to learn the Word of God. And you've got to guess what? If you want to be free, these thoughts that you have been pre-programmed with, you're going to have to be willing to let go and let God discover them. You need to discover them. And they need to be systematically pulled out of your life as you're going with God. That's discipleship, pulling out the philosophies, the ideas, all these things of the world. And you have to plant the things that are God. And I will tell you, these philosophies can be so embedded in you. And if you have ever given in to them, I've, I have been around and helped people with, from all different kinds of backgrounds. And I can tell you, somebody that hasn't been in a certain kind of sin, once they get it, give in to it and yield to it in their thinking, first of all, they yield to it in their thinking. Well, maybe this is okay. Maybe this thing that I've always been taught was unnatural and not right. Maybe it actually is okay because everybody's saying it's okay. And they tell me maybe I'm this way, so maybe I ought to think about it. First, they get in the mind. A barrier goes down. Secondly, then you begin to act on it and experiment. Another barrier goes down. And guess what? First thing you know, that thing's on the inside of you, driving you. And then you begin to say things like, well, I guess I'm not good because now I have drives this way. Now I have these certain kinds of desires. But that's who I am. Do you not realize something happened? You didn't discover who you are. Something happened to make you that way. It came out of this perverse culture and what happened to you. Now I can tell you, I work with people from... Those kind of backgrounds many times. And I can remember years ago, almost all of them had something bad happen to them when they were little. Barriers were broken. They were violated. And later they just say, can God help me? Can God change me? I want to come to God, but I need help. And I'm like, amen, yes, he can. Uh, connect, connect with discipleship. Get with somebody that will help you and teach you the Word and show you what you need to be successful because that is the way that this whole thing is meant to work. You're not supposed to just come to a church, sit in a pew, sing songs, hear a message, and go home messed up week after week. You're supposed to go through discipleship where somebody's teaching you this Word and helping you to understand how to get the old out and how to get the new in. Amen. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe. What's he telling them? I want you to do what I've done with you. Yes, you're going to, part of it is preaching to the thousands. Yes, okay. Jesus preached to thousands, didn't he? 
And in a sense, yes, he discipled him. But I have in mind, Jesus meant a lot more than that when he was talking to the disciples. Because what he said is, what I have done with you, that special time, getting into your life. You see, these guys, most of them, they grew up in godly homes. But as they're living life, going through troubles, they're like asking Jesus these various questions. Like um, one time Jesus, uh, Peter goes, Hey Jesus, man, how many times have we got to forgive somebody? 70 times 7. Oh Lord, give me more faith. Right? But what's he doing? He's in their day-to-day -day life watching what they're going through, talking with them, interacting with them, and helping them. He's discipling His disciples. Telling them what to do. Commanding them, if you want to use that word. And He says, everything I put into you, I want you to put that in other people the same way. Now to prove this happened in the early church, what did Paul say to Timothy? Paul goes, Timothy, what I got, I put into you, you put into faithful men who will put into others. He's like you spend individual time with these people and raise them up. Disciple them. Okay. All right, army, family, people of God. Lord, we thank you for today, God. Thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we want to become disciples. We want to become disciple makers. We want to build into other people's lives. We want to be there for them. And Lord, we want to learn what we don't, what we don't know not only for our own growth, but so that we can help others with various issues and problems. God, teach us the truths of your word so that we can live them out and bring them to other people. Lord, we pray, bless us this week. Let's be with us. Let your face shine upon us, God, and let your presence be with us and direct us into your everlasting truth, your, your path of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.